Well, uh, welcome again this week. Uh, every Friday we drop our new podcast. This is the PWH podcast. Yeah. Welcome to another episode, guys. Tell them how to continue to get in contact with us. Well, there's a few ways. One is to join with us every single Tuesday for our services at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, and that's going to be at pwh.tv. And then also follow our Instagram, pwh.tv, as well for all the updates, for any announcements, for any podcast clips. Um, all of that, guys, you can find it on there as well. And then also follow our TikTok, which is Pathway Home. Follow us there. Keep in contact with us. Watch our prayers and share it with your friends. That's awesome. And uh, there should be appearing on the screen right now, text family to the number on your screen. Yeah. And that will get you in contact with our ongoing community. Yeah. And then you can also request prayers on there as well, guys. And then we just make ourselves available to speak to you guys. So what are we going to talk about today, Amy? We're talking about heaven today. Ooh. <laughs> How many questions have you had about heaven on, on Instagram and TikTok? A lot. You know, I think that that's a hot topic right now. I mean, it, I mean, I don't shouldn't call it a hot topic, but <laughs> <laughs> it is a hot topic uh, on what is heaven going to be like or uh, what is hell going to be like? When is Jesus coming? All these end of times questions. Well, uh, ask me, ask some of the questions that that people have asked you from TikTok and Instagram. Well, the, the biggest one is when do I think Jesus is coming? Um, what do I think heaven is going to be like? Uh, who's going to hell? Who's not going to hell? Am I going to go to hell if I didn't pray for my food? Um, <laughs> you know, all these different questions about, I guess, afterlife, you know? All right. Well, why don't we, why don't we get the big one out of the way? Yeah. How do you get to hell and how do you get to heaven? What does the Bible say about that? Well, for heaven, I would say, one, you got to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and believe in what he has done in the cancellation of your sin. Uh, you can't have a Savior without recognizing your sin. I believe that those that haven't recognized your sin, haven't recognized themselves as sinners and haven't recognized Jesus as their Savior are the ones that are going to hell. All of us were on our way to hell, including me, including you, Pastor Kyle. I'm sorry to break it to you, but we were all <laughs> on our way. <laughs> we were no, all that's on no, our way to hell. No, that's no news to me. Yeah. We were all on our way to hell, but Jesus stepped in and uh, saved us for, for, for himself. And so those who go to hell, it's not, let me just, let me just say something about hell. Hell was not made for people. Mm -hmm. Hell was made for the devil and demons. It was never intended that people should go there. But the bad news of the Bible is that we all have sin. And sin condemns us to hell. The Bible says in the book of Romans, uh, the wages or the price of sin is death. Mm -hmm. And so the whole thing about Jesus and the cross, Jesus dying on the cross, receiving the death sentence for our sins, is that he would be able to somehow um, uh, disrobe us from sin, uh, 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 detach us from sin, punish the sin, save the person. Yeah. So many people have this view that God is so angry with them and he's just itching to send people to hell. No. Quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he's, he has done everything possible so that people do not go to hell. He takes no pleasure in that. Yeah. And now I've heard this a long time and I don't know if you've ever heard this, but people say it's better to uh, reign in hell than to serve in heaven. Yeah. Or I'd rather be in in hell, partying with my friends. We've glamorized hell. We really have. I, I think that uh, what you're saying is so true with 
we make it out to be something that it's not. We glamorize it. Uh, I think even with uh, what music industry has done lately is glamorizing it as well and also desensitizing us to what it actually is, making us believe it's something that it's it's not. You know, this, uh, this is a little bit ridiculous, but it makes a point. That somebody, it was just a story somebody made up that somebody finds themselves in hell and it's just this horrible place. And they said, hey, but I saw, you know, they told me about hell and they, you know, they had you know commercials and billboards of ladies in bikinis playing volleyball and everybody's drinking their beer. And, yeah. and it's like, hey, that's a place I want to go to be. And, and the devil says, oh, that was just the advertising. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> that's just what we wanted you to see exactly mm-hmm. and it's it's really you know that's how they advertise you know hard liquor you know mm-hmm. the tequila they 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 glamorize it people in really nice nice outfits and nice parties and this really elegant bottle and you know you're somehow sophisticated yeah. by drinking what they don't advertise is people barfing in the toilet uh, after they drunk too much yeah. and the horrible hangover and the destroyed families. And when the person gets angry, when they're drunk and hit their wife and they don't advertise, that. they don't advertise that, Not part, that of it, part, right? Same thing with hell. So what does the Bible say about God? And people say, uh, I've heard people say, why doesn't God just leave us alone? Mm-hmm. Why isn't there just a place where, where we can be us and God, it, it has no part. I've heard people say that before. Well, good news uh, God has made a place like that. It's called hell. Mm-hmm. It is the place that is the absolute absence of God. If you want nothing to do with God. That's your place. That's your place. Bible says, I, I heard somebody preach on this one time, a person who actually had a near-death experience and God snatched him out of hell after he had died and gone there. and The Lord brought him back. And he, he put hell in a way that I had never heard it before. And it makes so much sense. It says The Bible says God is our strength. He said in hell you're weak because God isn't there. It, it's God is our, he's our peace. In hell there is no peace because God isn't there. And, and you can probably go through any one of a hundred different attributes of, uh, you know, God God has given us a, um, a sound mind. In hell, there is no sound mind because God is not there. Hmm. And you think, well, that's stupid, Pastor Kyle, because you know, you're telling me I can't have a sound mind without God. I can't have peace without God. Well, I don't believe in God and I have peace. I think you have no idea. People who believe in God, people who have rejected God, they have no idea the kindness of God to yeah. them. And they have no idea how much God is actually involved in every part of our life, every day of our life, keeping us from things that would destroy us, whether we believe in him or not. The Bible even says that God causes it to rain on the just and the unjust. God is kind to people who don't believe in him. He's kind to people who do. Doesn't the Bible say that even when we were God's enemies, Mm-hmm. He showed his love towards us yeah. in sending Jesus. And so hell is a place with the, with the absence of God. There is no covering. There is no protection. There is no sleep. There is no peace. There is no food. There is no water there because God provides all of those things for us. And the absence of God means the absence of absolutely everything. 
That's not what was advertised to me. (laughs) Advertises, let's just go to, you know, if if drinking is a sin and partying is a sin, well, I don't want heaven. Let's go party with my friends. Listen, here's another thing. You are absolutely alone in hell. Mm-hmm. You say, well, at least you know, you know, mi compa is here with me. You know, my, at least my yeah. friends are here with me. Let me tell you, there will be no interaction in hell. You will be alone, and that's part of the terror of it. Wow. You know, and even just thinking that and seeing what is actually fed to us and what we actually you know, receive from what it is going to be or what it isn't going to be. Um, I'll also say this. Um, I think that sometimes... What we like to say is uh, scary about hell is how we're going to be punished. But I think the greatest punishment is that, like we said, there is no God. And because God is so heavily involved in our lives now and we don't even see it, we won't even begin to comprehend what life is without him, whether you believe or don't believe. Yeah. Now, you know, there are certainly terrors of hell. There are certainly torment in hell. Um, You know, how about this one? God is light. And in him, there is no darkness. Mm-hmm. So how much light is there actually in hell? There's actually a place in hell that you can read about in the scriptures. I believe it's in first Peter, if I'm not if, first or second Peter, if I'm not mistaken, it says they will be cast into outer darkness. Mm-hmm. There's darkness. It is dark. You are alone. You are in terror. You are in pain. There is no peace. You will never sleep again. Because there is no peace. There is no rest. And even sleep is a gift from God. <laughs> yeah, it says that in the book of Psalms. God yeah. gives sleep to his beloved. Yeah, You will never eat again. God fills the hungry with good things to eat. Mm-hmm. He is the water of life. You will not drink again in hell. It is absolute torment. All the, uh, for, for eternity, there is no hope. There is no escape. And it was never meant for people, never meant for people, but sin must be punished. And for people, unless you think God is some sort of, um, some sort of capricious God saying, well, you didn't do what I like. So I'm going to pray the favorites. I like those people. I hate you. And I'm going to send you to hell. No, 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 no. It's the things that, that we, we hold on to, we refuse to let go. And God, during our whole life, says, let those things go. Do not sin. Let, don't let that be part of your life. Let me heal you. Let me forgive you. Let me separate those things from you. Because at the end, if you have those things, if you've held on to those things, I have to punish them. Mm-hmm. Those things cannot be anywhere where I am. And if you are are at the end of your life are still holding on to them, then those sins will be cast to hell with you still holding on to them. And the truth is, is that sin fools us to believe that those things are actually what we were designed to be and designed to be like. And when God's truth comes and we begin to understand one who he is, we begin to understand who we are and who he designed us to be and how he designed us to be. So then you have this flip side. All right. Okay. Well, that's hell. Now, what do you think heaven is? Heaven Mm -hmm. is the opposite of hell. All right. So now, now we talked about hell. Hell's horrible, horrible, horrible. You don't want to go there. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody can come to God, the father, except through me. Mm -hmm. That's the way to heaven. Now, 
what do you think heaven is and what what comments have you heard about heaven well i've thought a lot about what it's going to be like um and for me i i always come back to the chapter in isaiah um when upon seeing who he is you know you you recognize who you are when you say well to me for i'm a man of unclean lips um but i just feel that it's going to be there is no more time. There is no more. Uh, I feel like I got to go because I'm busy. I just feel like upon seeing him, we're just, I don't want to say the word enchanted. We're going to be so in awe of who he is. There's nothing amazed. else amazed, you know, of this awesome God that there's nothing else we're going to want to do than to be in his presence, than to call out like the angels sing day and night, holy, holy, holy. I just feel that it's going to be a, a place where you lose you lose any time, you lose anything else, and you're just focused on Him. Where worship is what we do. What would you are. say? What would you say to somebody who who says that sounds terrible? <laughs> that you know? heaven is just you know worshiping God and crying holy, holy, holy for all eternity, which it's not that, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a big part mm-hmm. of it. But what would you say to somebody who says that does not sound appealing even a little bit? We don't know what we're missing. To be honest, I, I don't even that's just my, you know, small concept of what it's going to be. And even me thinking that I feel like I'm minimizing what it's going to be like because I can't even imagine what it's going to be like. So, you know, someone says that I would be like, we don't know what we're missing because we don't know what we're going to walk into because it's going to be that great, that awesome, that amazing where words can't even I can't even speak the words because I feel like I there are no words for what they're inadequate. Yeah. Yeah. Anything I'd say is going to be inadequate. And if you've ever been if you've ever been um, in the presence of the Lord Mm -hmm. and you you you've felt his heavy, weighty, glorious presence come into the room, whether it's at a church service or a conference or just alone with him, you know there is something wholly different about it. And it's like, gosh, I remember when I was in the fifth grade, I was at Sunday school at church, and uh, there's a guy playing the guitar, and he's kind of a heavy set guy, and he's got his guitar out here, and he's he's just playing it and playing these songs. Oh, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. And I remember as a fifth grader thinking, oh man, I can't wait till this is over. <laughs> and then and then he said, I want all you guys singing and worshiping because if you don't like worship now, you're not gonna like heaven later because this is mm-hmm. because we're gonna worship for all eternity. And I thought. Oh, dear God, <laughs> it's going to be this guy on the guitar for all eternity. <laughs> and I thought, this this is not good, Lord. <laughs> this is not what I thought. <laughs> Worship is not somebody on a guitar. Yeah. Worship is when you and God start becoming one. Mm-hmm. And the whole the wholeness of God's presence coming to you and you coming to God is an experience that if you have never experienced it, it it really is very difficult to describe. Yeah. You have to live it. But the thing is, God makes it available to you even now. Yeah. Seek and you will find. Ask and you will receive. Knock and the door will be open to you. Mm-hmm. So God God makes it available. But so what are we going to be doing for all eternity? I'm are we are we just going to be bowing down on our faces in front of God for all eternity uh, and saying, holy, 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 or is there going to, or is there more to heaven than that? 
Well, there has to be more, you know. But I want to hear your thoughts on it. Glad you asked (laughs) (laughs) because I've done a lot of thinking about this, a lot of study on it. It really comes down to what God made us for. Mm -hmm. It comes back down to the garden. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, God says, let us make human beings in our image and let them have dominion over the earth, over all the plants of the earth and all the beasts of the field and all the creepy crawlies of the earth. Let them have dominion. And you can see that theme all the way throughout out the scripture, all the way, you know, you want to, I've said on this podcast before that the Bible is beautifully symmetrical. It starts in a garden and it ends in a garden. It starts with uh, God giving dominion to mankind and ends by saying uh, that the dwelling place of God is with man and let them have dominion. Or it says, it doesn't say let them have dominion. It says they will rule and reign with God forever and ever, which is having dominion. It's not the fanciful cultural concept of uh, reclining on clouds and chubby little cherubs or popping grapes into your mouth for all eternity. That might be nice for 15 minutes. After about 45 minutes, you're like, get get out of here. (laughs) It's like we weren't created to just lay around and do nothing. That's not how we were created. We were created in God's image. We were created as creative beings. We were created with the desire to work and to accomplish things. We were created with gifts, gifts and talents and abilities that will continue throughout eternity. In heaven, you will get to use your gifts. Mm. What are the things that you're good at? Is it woodworking? Is it painting? Is it singing? Is it whatever? The the 10,000 different things that people are good at. You're going to be able to use that in heaven. If you're a good cook, come look me up in my mansion in heaven and give me a good meal because I'm enjoy your gift. <laughs> right? And so this, this idea of that we have nothing to do for all eternity is so anti-biblical. We get to use our gifts and our talents for all eternity because God deposited in us something of himself. And that creativity is really him in us. And we, it says, uh, the, the Bible says that the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Mm-hmm. And so for all eternity, we get to use those things. How amazing is that? Wow. It, it also comes down to the, uh, the theology of work. We say we're going to, we're going to work in heaven. Rest assured you will work in heaven. And it's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be in front of a computer screen in a cubicle. For all... No, no, no. That's no more work in heaven than the chubby guy on the guitar singing This is the Day is, is the worship of heaven. Work is the things that you're good at. It's the place God put you and it's the things God designed your life to do. And those are the things that ultimately bring you pleasure and satisfaction out of life, whether it's life here on earth or it's eternal life. Mm-hmm. You will get to use those things and it will be an, a, a constant joy to you. One of my favorite verses on heaven comes from the book of Psalms. It says, there are pleasures at your right hand forevermore. Mm-hmm. There are things that are going to be pleasurable to you. Um, I think I think we can't even grasp and fully imagine 
all of the pleasures and amazing things that await us in heaven. But it's not just all pleasure. It's not an eternal Disneyland. This is that would be great. I just kidding. <laughs> it would be great for a few days. Yeah. And then you get bored of it. Then you get tired of Disney at the end of the day. <laughs> okay, we live in Southern California here. So there's people listening to us that, you know, Disneyland is like literally once in a lifetime trip. <laughs> I used to go every single year. I don't know about you. Yeah. You've been lots of times. Yeah. And and after a while it does lose its luster. I I won't I don't know if I'll re- I've been waiting all of 2020 to go back to day. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I, at the end of the day, you know, you get tired and you want to go home. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's like, man, I could spend a week. I did that once with my kids. My uh-huh. youngest son was only six months old. Oh, and that's I, right. You said that. I don't know what possessed us to do this, but we lived in Dallas, Texas at the time. And we took a road trip. This is our big Christmas present for our family. We took a road trip from Dallas all the way to Orlando. And we had, we did Disney world, but I, you know, I'm Southern California boy. Disneyland was my thing, mm-hmm. but I said, Hey, I've never been to Disney world. So kind of once in a lifetime trip, take our four kids from ages six months to six Our my oldest was only six. And so we did the animal park. We did two days at the magic kingdom. And then we did uh, Epcot center. Okay. So my, my second son was only like four years old at the time. We'd been there for four years, four days. My wife and I were wildly tired and we're walking down Epcot center. We're looking at that like iconic golf ball building. And my four-year-old says, dad, when are we going to go to Disney world? I'm like, why the heck did I bring you? (laughs) (laughs) And so, so this is our fourth day there and it's Epcot center. Never been there is really amazing by noon. My wife and I looked at each other and we said, we're done. That was it. I want to go home. Mm -hmm. And so to think that heaven is nothing more than leisure activity and pleasure and, and an eternal Disneyland that would ultimately be very dissatisfying to us. Mm -hmm. That would not, that would not, uh, uh, scratch the itch of creativity and work and productivity and relationship nor with the worship of God for which we were intended. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of fun up there. I really do. Pleasure's at your right hand forevermore, but pleasure is more than leisure. It takes, I think it's the fact that it takes on a different definition for God and how he designed us than what we view pleasure to be here. Yeah. I think we'll work for all eternity, uh, but again, it's not the cubicle because that is not pleasure at his right hand forevermore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, you've heard the, the old adage, if you, if you work at something you'll, you love, you never work a day in your life. Yeah. And I think that's true. Uh, we, here we work in order to scrape a living together so that we can live. We have to enough survive. money to survive, to get through life and hopefully do some leisurely activities along the way. That is not work in heaven. We don't need to scrape together a living in heaven. We get to work on our gifts and we get to rule and reign with Jesus. So, well, pastor, where, where do you get this whole thing with ruling and reigning with Jesus? First of all, you're created to have dominion over God's good creation. At the very end, it says, and they will rule and reign forever and ever. Now, let's, let's quickly dissect um, one of Jesus' parables, the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents is that the master received a kingdom 
and was going to be a crowned king. And the master was going away to receive this kingdom and then come back. And then, uh, so then he calls several of his servants together and he gives them of his own resources. Okay. And he says this simply to them, do business until I return. So if your master gives you money and says, do business until I return, what do you think the master is going to re- uh, expect when he comes back? Money. <laughs> yeah, well, his interest on <laughs> yeah. that money, growth. I mean, if I'm an investor and you're my investment banker yeah. and I give you a thousand bucks, say, please invest this for me. And, and after 10 years, you say, here's your thousand dollars back. <laughs> Uh, I expect there's some multiplication. Right. You're, yeah. you're expecting that $1,000 to turn into $10,000 and over time, $100,000. Yeah. And so that's what he says to his servants. He gives them his own resources in the form of money, says, do business till I return. So he returns after a long while and he calls everybody into account. And he says, uh, uh, the first guy, hey, I got 10 times more. I turned your thousand into 10,000. Oh, Good job. Second second guy, I turned your 1,000 into 5,000. Good job. And the other guy says, here's your 1,000 back. Mm. I knew what kind of person you were. I know that you're austere. I know that you uh, reap where you didn't sow. And I, kn- I know what a hard man you are. So I was afraid. So I dug a hole and I hit it. Here it is back. Mm. He said, you wicked and lazy servant. He said, I'm going to judge you with your own words. He said, you, you know what kind of man I am. You, you even said it right now. And you still didn't do what I thought or what you thought I would require of you. Yeah. Okay. So let's pick that apart again. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. There's one other part. He said to those, to, to the man who, who got 10 times as much, I'm going to put you in charge of 10 cities, 10 cities, 10 cities, <laughs> right? To the guy who got five, five times as much, five cities. And to the guy who did nothing, botalo, yeah. get him out and, and give his one talent to, or his, his, his uh, money to the guy who has 10 more, who, who has more, more will be given. The whole thing was a setup. Okay. Because it says the master, meaning Jesus was going on a long trip to receive a kingdom. And so he left his, his things uh, with his servants, do yeah. business. So I get back. So when he gets back from having received a kingdom, he was going to, he was, he wanted to see what each one did with their, with their talent or with their money so that he could give them 10 cities. What, what's this deal about 10 cities? What does that mean? Well, the parable says that he had gone to receive a kingdom, the kingdom of God. Yeah. And so he was actually setting up his servants to say, who can I entrust the governance of my kingdom with? Mm-hmm. But I want to give it to, I want to give you a smaller portion of my inheritance or, or my blessing. I want to give you a smaller portion of my stuff, my kingdom to see what you do with it, because I've got greater glory coming and I want to see who's faithful and obedient to whom I can entrust the entirety of my kingdom. I believe that is a window into what heaven is going to look like. Mm-hmm. That that uh, a Jesus is waiting to return. And when he returns, he's returning with his full kingdom. 
and he's looking and he's left a part of his kingdom the kingdom of the whole now but not yet the kingdom is here but it has not manifested in its fullness yet you know what right now that you're saying that the matthew 25 23 came to my mind mm-hmm. um and i don't think you know it's crazy I, I don't think i've ever made that connection before um but it says and it, the reason I say this because I, I always said I live for four words, and the four words is well done, you know, good and faithful servant. I live for those four words. I live for the day that he's going to say that to me. That's six words. Oh, I know, but I mean, good and faithful <laughs> servant. Like I always, I was okay, like, good and faithful either, servant. either I've always said I, I'm either going to live for those four words or I never knew you. Which one do I want to hear? Right. Good and faithful servant or I never knew you. So I, I said to God very early on, I live to hear those words from you. Yeah that I, I obeyed you, you know? And then I was, as you were saying that of, well, he came back with this kingdom. I thought of Matthew 25, 23, where it says, the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. It's the exact same concept yeah. we're talking about right now. Yeah. And I never understood the many more responsibilities because it's kind of like, not that I thought that, well, I'm done after after Earth, but what is the many more? See, I think that's going to be part of the surprise of heaven. Yeah. I wish I had a great answer for you. And unfortunately, I don't. Yeah. Because I've not been there. <laughs> and but but, uh, you know, it, the Bible does talk about God will create a new heaven and a new earth. Mm-hmm. And and again, he didn't create us for eternal leisure activity. Mm-hmm. But if there's a new heaven and a new earth, and we were created from the very beginning to have dominion over his creation, what does that look like for all eternity? I'm not sure what all that looks like, but it looks like ruling and reigning with Jesus. He even mm-hmm. talks about that in the millennium, yeah. right? After Jesus comes back, after the marriage supper of the lamb, there's a thousand years where earth comes under the rulership, the full manifestation of the kingdom of God here, and it becomes earth's golden age. But it said, but, but we will rule alongside Jesus during those years. And then will come a new heaven and a new earth where we will have dominion for all eternity. But to whom is that dominion going to be given? It's to those who are right now. These, these, however many, uh, of these short years we live on this earth, who will be faithful, who will be obedient with the master's resources. Mm-hmm. And the master has given all of us lots of resources. Your body is a resource. Mm-hmm. The gifts and abilities that God has innately put in you are the resources of the master. Your opportunities, your education, your material possessions, your relationships, your family, your job, your money. Everything matters. Everything matters. And how are we stewarding all of those things to give our master the maximum return on the things that he has given to us? Mm. And, and at the end, when we give an account for our lives in front of God's judgment seat, and, he, and we hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Mm-hmm. He's going to say, you were faithful in all those things. Now enter into the joy of the Lord, and I'm going to make you ruler over much. Mm-hmm. I think that's a principle that you can apply to our life here on earth, 
that the Lord does start you out with little and he does grow you over time. But I think the ultimate expression is in heaven, in the new heaven and in the new earth. When that comes about, he's going to say, look how faithful and obedient you were. Look how much you trusted me. Look how well you did with the few resources I gave you. I'm going to open all of this up to you now. I'm going to open up things in my kingdom that you didn't even know were possible, but they're yours now. It's your inheritance. You earned them. Mm -hmm. Wait, pastor, did you say you earn heaven? No. Heaven is a free gift to those who come to Jesus. Rewards within heaven are earned. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Maybe I'm just mind tripped right now because you said earlier, you know, there's an itch that has yet to be scratched. And it almost feels like we spend earth saying, well, maybe I'm going to do this. Maybe I'm going to do that. You know, it's, it's funny because just yesterday I was speaking with my best friend. I was telling her, if you could do anything, you know, and the same question to me, if I could do anything and be successful at it, what would we do? And to know that God has entrusted us with certain things and with certain opportunities, with certain doors, it's kind of like, you know, what are you doing with what is right in front of you now? And if you can't handle the small amount that you have now, how can I give you greater? And it's, it's almost like we get uh, impatient and, and waiting for the greater when we can't even do what's right in front of us. Right. And God knows when he opens certain doors up and God knows when he permits certain things. And I, I've always been a big believer that, you know, your seasons matter and your times matter. And when you come to accomplish something or open certain, certain doors, all of that matters. Um, and so I guess this isn't to encourage somebody to that the season that you are in right now, even if you seen it, see it as very, very small, is actually very, very great in God's eyes. That's right. And the greatest rewards in heaven are not necessarily um, reserved for those who uh, have the greatest ministries here. Yeah. And that's one of the things I love about God. He rewards accordingly. If he gave you one penny, but you multiplied it 10 times, that's good stewardship. Yeah. If he gave you uh, 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 $10,000 and you multiplied that only one time, that, well... If you're just comparing percentages and apples to apples, which one was the better steward? Say, well, I've only been a, a Sunday school teacher for the last 40 years. Yeah, but you were obedient to God's call on your life and you did everything that he asked you to do. And you poured your life and you poured Jesus into these kids and they still follow the Lord today because of the influence that you have. Why, would not God, why wouldn't God reward that the same that he would reward somebody like Billy Graham? Yeah. Because he called you to do that. He called Billy Graham to do something else. And it, it also is a matter of not rushing ahead of what God gives you. Um, I've, I've thought about this a lot. Well, I'm 25 now, but when, at the time when I started Sunday school, I was 10 years old, and I did that till 21. But now I think back to certain seasons of my life and certain areas that God has, has had me in. I don't think that I would be who I am today had it not been for those 10 plus years in children's ministry. Yeah. I've always said that it was those kids that taught me how to speak and how to be very simple with what I say, because uh, they had that influence in my life. Had I not gone into the high schools, I wouldn't have cared about evangelism the way that I do now. Every single season has taught me certain things. Even, you know, when I think back to having, you know, upper room and doing the young adults, you've even shown me this where putting a chair matters as much as holding the microphone. 
Yeah. And if you were, if you feel that you're too, um, too high up, too, yeah, too, too high up to put a chair, then why would, why would God entrust you with more? Yeah. I appreciated the moments when you come in two hours before and, and sometimes it would just be me or another person putting the chair, setting it up, taking everything out because I know I'm preparing this for those that are going to come in. Mm-hmm. And those actions matter just as much. Uh, the person that takes every, it, it's just, I think about it, it's like, okay, well, if you can't do the smallest of things, why are you asking God to give you more? Boy, you know, I've been a, I've been a Bible college professor for seven, several years, and I'll never forget an interaction I had with one of my students. And she said it kind of tongue in cheek, yeah, kidding, but half kidding. <laughs> And she goes, well, and I was talking about an assignment that I was giving and what I was expecting from the assignment. And she said, well, D's get degrees. <laughs> and, and that kind of triggered me because, and, and I said, why are you here in Bible school? And I said it to the whole class. I wasn't just singling her out. I said, why are you guys here in Bible school? Well, because we feel called to ministry. I said, what if you take this opportunity for education that God's put in front of you and you treat it by just saying, D's get degrees, right? And you, 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 you just do the bare minimum to just barely skate by. I got my degree. Now I want to go pastor a church or I want to be a missionary or I want to, you know, have some amazing ministry. I said, why in the heck would God want to entrust you with more of his kingdom when the amazing opportunity for education that he's put in front of you right now, you treat it like garbage. Mm-hmm. And you say, I'm going to do the bare minimum. You do the bare minimum here. And now you want, now you say, God, well, my D got degrees. My D's got degrees. And now, Lord, would you please bestow on me the fullness of your kingdom? He's going to say, uh, negative. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that because you weren't faithful in the small things. Yeah. And, and we discount those small things. And we, you know, we were talking about, we're talking about heaven. We've not gone on a rabbit trail <laughs> because all of these things really do figure into your ability to participate with what God wants to do throughout all eternity. Mm-hmm. Now, if you just breathe a last second prayer of Jesus, forgive me my sins, and that was your last breath and you die, you will still go to heaven, but you have no testimony, you have no reward, and you have no real place of authority or position in heaven. Mm-hmm. You're still there. And listen, just barely making it to heaven is still better than making and going to hell. All right. <laughs> so, and if that's all that we got from Jesus, that's still more yeah. than we deserve. But God does give rewards. And those rewards last for all eternity. And, you know, we, I mentioned it and you mentioned it again, the scratching of the itch. It's like, I, I, there's still, there's more for me. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of a quote from Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And it says this, the Christian says, creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exist. A baby feels hunger. Well, there is such thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there is such thing as water. Men feel sexual desire. Well, there is such thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, Mm -hmm. the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it but to only arouse it, to suggest the real thing. If that is so, 
I must take care on the one hand never to despise or be unthankful for these earthly blessings, and on the other hand, never to mistake them for the something else of which they are only a kind or an echo or a mirage. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find until after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turn aside. I must make it the main object of my life to press on to that country and to help others do the same. What a great quote. What a great thought. If there's desires inside of me that no earthly thing can satisfy, it's not that the universe is a fraud. It's that God designed me for eternity and for something much greater than anything I could experience in this life. That's heaven. And so all the gifts and all the things that he's working in our lives right now are only the beginning. And actually, it's actually before the beginning. Once yeah. we get to heaven, heaven is actually not, it's not the end. It's the starting line. Yeah. Or what everything else he has for us. And, you know, even now, that's one of the quotes that's really affected my life, that it must mean that we are made for another world. Um, and when I, whenever I read that, I'd be like, yeah, God, I wasn't made for, for here. But even there, he gives us, like you said, uh, we said earlier, you know, someone who might say, well, how do I know I'll enjoy that? Well, there's something that you're missing. Well, even me right now, like there's something that I'm missing and there's something that I'm crying out for and there's something that I am desiring and that can only be given to me by him. And instead of trying to satisfy myself and to do things with my own hands and to see it here in this in this world, the truth is I'm never going to see it here. I'm probably just going to see glimpses. Yeah. Glimpses of what uh, he actually designed me for. Glimpses of what I was actually made for. But with those glimpses and with those seasons, these seasons really do matter. And I really feel like I need to say this to somebody because sometimes we can get discouraged by the small beginnings. We can get discouraged by the small things that we've been entrusted. And this isn't something to be discouraged by, but something to be encouraged with. That this season really does matter. That the work that you are doing really does matter. If you're an usher, you you do matter. Yeah. If you're a small group leader, you do matter. If, if you're, you're in school, if you're in school, it matters. If you have a nine to five, that matters. It, whatever season you are in, whatever role you are in, whatever you are doing, it does matter. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God because it matters. The motives of your heart matter. The obedience to the Lord matters. Yeah. And all of those things will echo into eternity and all of those things will be accounted for both the good and the bad first Corinthians, uh, I'm sorry. Second Corinthians chapter five says that, that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Jesus and give an account for the good and the bad that we did in this body. Yeah. And so I want to end this time uh, talking about another one of my favorite passages on heaven is first Corinthians chapter three, verses 10 through 15. It says that um, as an expert builder, I laid a foundation and the foundation is Jesus and nobody can lay another foundation, but we need to be careful on how we build on that foundation, whether with wood, hay or stubble or gold and silver and precious jewels, because the fire will reveal the quality of each one's work. And if your work is burned up, says that person will be saved. 
but as one who barely escapes through the fire. In other words, de panzazo llegaste al cielo. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you just slid under the pearly gates just barely as they were closing, but you still made it. But he says, but you will have nothing to offer the Lord. It, the, the wood, hay, and the stubble is about, it talks about the, the earthly, temporal, non-eternal things with which we build our life. And God says, don't build your life for those things. Build your life with gold and silver and precious jewels because what happens to them when they go through the fire? Yeah. They become more beautiful. They become refined. And you will have an eternal reward if you build with eternity now wow. versus building for just the temporal, ephemeral, passing pleasures of this life. You, you know, just yesterday I met with a financial planner. Uh, my wife and I did and just to get things in order for our eventual future. And he's a, he's a wonderful man of God that I've known for a long time. And he said, you know, he said, make sure that you're giving, which my wife and I, obviously, we, we, we have done our entire lives. He said, make sure you're giving. Make sure you're doing this and you're living within the financial parameters that God sets in his word. Because he says, you know, that no matter how much you prepare for your financial future here on earth, once your life is done, Mm-hmm. You can't take it with you. Yeah. And so if we build for just our financial future or we build um, just for our own pleasures, once this physical body is done and all the physical things that we have accumulated to to satisfy this physical body, once the physical body is done and all the things of the physicality of this life that we've accumulated, and you are just a naked spirit standing in front of God. You say, what do you have to offer me? Well, I mean, I was an Eagle Scout and I had a lot of money and, you know, I did things that just pleased the body. And he said, oh, the body that's now dead. Mm-hmm. So what do you have for me now? Mm-hmm. I don't have anything. That's what he's saying in 1 Corinthians 3. Careful how you build. Build your life right now for things that will have eternal value later. And that will determine your level of participation with God throughout eternity. Wow. Well, that's a good place to end. Um, And to just encourage you guys again, it really does matter um, to live in light of eternity and I think that even that uh, scripture, at least for me right now, I'm walking away with a new perspective of it matters. <laughs> it Everything matters. you do matter. And it matters. It matters. And God has taken, he's taking notes on, on how we're living our life because, not because he's just this grumpy old miser up in heaven, just kind of, oh, you did that wrong. No, it's because he says, I have amazing riches and an amazing kingdom, and I want you to be part of it. But you do have to earn that. Pray for us, Pastor Kyle. We need to hear that now. Lord Jesus, I pray for all who are watching right now. I pray that your blessing would be upon them. Lord, I pray that even as we've uh, taken into account your word about what heaven and our eternity and our lives are and what they are to accomplish, Lord, I pray that this seed of your word would continue to grow and bear fruit in each one of our lives, that we would truly live and take account of our lives. What are the things that we need to, to let go 
of the fleshly, earthly, physical things, and we need to hold on to the eternity of heaven. Lord, I pray that you would make it clear to everybody, what is it that you've called me to? How can I best obey you? How can I live for eternity right now? Lord, I pray that you would make this word alive in people's hearts. And those who are watching right now, who may be wondering if I'm going to heaven or if I'm going to hell, there's a real easy way to find out right now. It's, have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior? He is the only one that can deliver you from sin and forgive you of it. And so it's, it, God loves you so much that he gave his son, that he took the death penalty for you so you don't have to go to hell. He doesn't want you to go to hell. He wants you to enjoy all of his abundant life for all eternity with him. And if that's you, say, Pastor, I've never done that before. Or I did it before and I've walked away from God. I'm going to ask that you pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, just repeat wherever you are right now. Lord Jesus, I say yes to you. Please forgive me of my sins. I, I believe that you died on the cross to forgive me. And I believe that you rose again from the dead to give me new life. And I receive it right now. I repent of my sins. And I want to live my life for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Don't forget to uh, check us out on Instagram, pwh.tv, and YouTube, Pathway Home. And TikTok. And TikTok, <laughs> Pathway Home. And don't forget to become part of our community. Yeah. You'll see the number about right here. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys. We'll see you next week. 